If you will, turn with me to John 17. Most of you know that we're, I'll be preaching a series through this chapter, but I want to reread portions of it every week, keep it fresh in our minds. John 17, beginning with verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I come out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine. And I am glorified in them. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. The lesson this morning will be taken from John 17, verses 4 and 5. This will be the third in a series of messages concerning our Lord's intercessory prayer for his elect. Who are God's elect? They're those the Father chose, whom he chose in his Son, whom he predestinated in Christ unto the adoption of children. That's God's elect. Last week we talked about eternal life that which Christ came to bestow on chosen sinners. The very life of God. What is eternal life? It's the life of God. It's the hope of every believer. It's a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns. It's knowledge given us by the appearance of Jesus Christ. We know that the Son of God has come and given to us an understanding that we may know Him that's true. 
And today I want us to focus on the work of Christ and how He glorified His Father. Let's read our text together here in John 17, verse 4. He said, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. There are three things that fall in divine order in these two verses. And I want us to look at each one and ask the Lord to open to us the Scriptures as He did for these men. Open to us the Scriptures. Cause our hearts to burn within us as He opens to us the Scriptures. First thing our Lord said to His heavenly Father is, I have glorified Thee on the earth. How? It's it's a true statement. He makes it. He can't lie. He said, I've glorified thee on the earth. How? He hadn't died yet. He hasn't been through his mock trials yet. How has he glorified God in the earth that he talks about here in this prayer? Well, he glorified God in everything. Didn't he? He glorified God in his birth. Listen to this. There were shepherds abiding in the field. This is what the Holy Ghost gives us in his account of the birth of Christ. He said there were shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And suddenly the angel of God appeared. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they feared. But the angel spoke, and he said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you glad tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God! That's what I titled this study. Glory, glory, glory. Glory to God. In the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. The birth of Christ was promised by God at the fall of man. He spoke about all things being renewed through the the woman's seed. But she didn't have a seed, I know. She was a virgin. But she brought forth the Son of God. His birth glorified God in His purpose to save sinners. Hebrews 10.5 says, When He cometh into the world, He saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. If God will not accept our sacrifices and will not accept all of these things that we present to Him. In religion, we were told to bring these things. Bring these things. God will be happy with you. He'll be pleased with you if you do this. But when He comes into the world, He says, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. Here's the sacrifice. Not what you do for God, but what God does for you. 
a body hast thou prepared me. Lo, I come in the volume of the book it's written of me to do thy will, O God. He was born into this world as a representative man. He was made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law. He's a representative man. His birth was the birth of, of, of a Savior, the promised Christ. His birth glorified God as to the time and place. God told the exact time and place that His Son would be born. His birth glorified God as to the time and place in the union of God and man. God and man in one person. It glorified God in the fulfillment of scriptures. He glorified God in his birth. And secondly, he glorified God in his attitude. As a child, it says, he went down with them. Talking about Mary and Joseph. And was subject unto them. Can you imagine? The Son of God. Russell knows everything. He knows all things. Everything's been purposed in Him. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation. And here He is, this young child, the God-man. And He goes about His Father's business. And that's what he tells them when they come looking for him. Wished you not that I should be about my father's business? I'm not here to fulfill some dream you have about a son or a daughter. I'm, they call me Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. I'm the Savior. I'm the Christ. And they, they didn't have anything to say. But it said Mary treasured those things up in her heart. She, she thought about what he said. And he went back with them and was subject. The Son of God was subject to his parents. In Philippians 2, unveiling the mind of Christ to us, Paul said, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took on him the form of a servant. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and become obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Let this mind, this attitude, be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He glorified God in his attitude, and he glorified God in his ministry. Our Lord was many things. He held many offices. But one of the greatest offices that he held was that of a preacher. When he announced, when he announced that day what he came to do and, and what he was doing, he said, I, I've been sent to preach the gospel. And he read them that scripture out of Isaiah. And as a preacher, the Son of God suffered the insults and callousness and indifference of men as He brought the good news of salvation to God's people. And through it all, He glorified God. He preached to men and women that He knew would never hear His words. But He glorified God in that He warned them. He warned them. And He told His disciples, Blessed are your ears, for they hear. 
Do you know on one occasion, a multitude of men, they were scribes and Pharisees and doctors of the law, and they weren't there for a good purpose, but when they left, he bowed his head, and he said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. He glorified God in his ministry. He told them on another occasion, you believe not because you're not of my sheep. Show me a preacher out here up and down, any woman up and down the road who's ever said that to their people. Ever. Huh? You can't find me one. To glorify God in His ministry, our Lord suffered ungodly men in order to minister those who shall be heirs of salvation. He glorified God in His ministry, giving God's Word the preeminence. The byword of His ministry was, It is written. He never said, Now, you believe this because I'm telling you. And he could have. He was the one person who actually could have done that, but he didn't do it. He glorified his Father through the Scriptures. It's written. It's written. Even Satan, who tempted him, said it's written. And it is written as the foundation of all that he taught. And he glorified God in his miracles. He didn't just heal or cleanse or cast out demons to put on a show or draw a crowd. That's what religious men do who fake these things. They want to draw a crowd. His miracles were in association with salvation. Did you know that? He glorified God in His miracles because they were in association with the salvation that God purposed. There was a man over in Matthew chapter 9 who was brought to Christ with a palsy. He was brought there. It didn't say anything about his faith, but it did talk about the faith of those that brought him. And seeing the faith of those who brought him, he said to the sick of palsy, Be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And boy, that, those Pharisees come unglued. They said, he's blaspheming. Only God can forgive sins. And the Lord said, which is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith, arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thy house. Every disease, every demon possession, every illness was a picture of sinners coming to Christ. He's the great physician of God. His miracles revealed, declared, if you will, the approval of God of this man. He's my son. The ratification of his office as the person of Christ. And he glorified God in his miracles. And he glorified God in his offices 
all of his offices. As the head of the church, as the great high priest of God, the prophet of God, the king, the mediator, the savior, the surety. He's the surety of the everlasting covenant of grace. Everything that God demands, he provides. Jesus Christ is born a savior. He shall save his people from their sins. And behold, John said, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Not sins of the world, but sin, the curse of it. The curse of it on God's elect. They're part of this world. You're born into this world. You're born into this world under the curse. You're subject to it. But He took it away. The plague of it, the death of it, the suffering of it, and the very nature and way of it, the power of it. And so he bows his head and he said, I've glorified thee on the earth. How? In everything. In everything. In the meals he ate. In the means of transport. Huh? They're going... You go into this town, there's going to be a guy there and he got this wild ass's coat tied up. You go get him. You don't have to ask, just go get him. And when you're leading him away, he's probably going to ask you, you know, what are you doing? And you're going to tell him, the master has need of it. And he won't say a word. And he did. And the Lord mounted on that wild ass's coat and rode it as calmly as it could be right through Jerusalem. The meals he ate. Did he not give thanks to God for every morsel he put in his mouth? In the means of transport, in the places he slept. He slept in a ship that was about to go under. He was sound asleep. Huh? In the fellowship he enjoyed. In the providence of God. And even in the people who left his teaching, he glorified God. And then secondly, he tells us, I finished the work you gave me to do. What work? What's well, not the cross, not his death as our substitute. This still lies ahead and primarily what this prayer is all about. But what he's talking about here is a finished work. So what is this work he's talking about? Well, turn with me over to Luke chapter 4. Let's look at that. Luke chapter 4. For there's a life purposed in this earth by God. There's a work to be done. Luke chapter 4, verse 17. It was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, that is, Isaiah. When he'd opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So we just preach, the, we just go down to mission churches and preach. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about poor, bankrupt sinners. He's talking about poor sinners who, who don't have what it takes to hear. Sinners, inability 
He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Poor enslaved men sold under sin. Jesus Christ, who is himself the gospel, preached the gospel. What did he preach? He preached himself. Huh? He said, come unto me, didn't he? That's preaching yourself. My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. Jesus Christ, who is the gospel, was sent of God to preach the gospel, and he is the gospel. Is gospel preaching necessary? I doubt he would have done it if it wasn't. He tells us in Hebrews chapter 2 that this gospel was first spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. He, he's a gospel preacher and that's what he's reading to him. And no matter where our Lord went, he preached the gospel. Secondly, he says here in, in, in this passage that he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Hearts broken up over sin. Heartbroken. You ever been heartbroken? That's what, when he revealed, when he, uh, sends true repentance to a sinner, when he, when he gives him faith, he brings him down to where he can see what he is. Oh, my soul. He's broken hearted. Hearts broken by sin and the effects of it and the misery of it and the penalty of it and the nature of it. There's no balm to soothe the broken heart except Christ. And then thirdly, he said, I'm sent to preach deliverance to the captives. What's that? That's a slave. You ever think of yourself as a slave? That's what we are. Huh? A conquered prisoner put into service by the conquering. The strong man. Huh? He rules he, he rules over his palace and all his goods and until a stronger than he comes upon him. We're we're, we're servants to sin. Our walk. Paul wrote, is according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. We were by nature children of wrath, even as others. And sin reigns, and you do service to Satan, and are taken captive at his will. That's what he's talking about. He's going to set the captives free. Without Christ, you're a captive, whether you know it or not. It's the preaching of Christ that brings deliverance to the captives. And then fourthly, he, he talks here about being sent to, for the recovering of sight to the blind. Is he just talking about preaching to blind folks? No, we're all blind. Well, what, what about all these religions out here? I'll tell you what our Lord said about them. And these men had far greater knowledge of the Scripture than what these men up down here had. And here's what he said. They'd be blind leaders of the blind. That's what he called 
the light they pretend to have and are convinced that they have is nothing more than darkness. And if that light is darkness, then how great is that darkness? But our Lord is light. He's light. His words, His ministry, even His person, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And then fifthly, He come to set at liberty them that are bruised. What's He talking about there? Beaten down, downtrodden, bruised by a life of sin. Has your sin not left you bruised? I told my children, I said, I'm going to tell you something. I've been down the road. I'll tell you wherever pothole is. I'll tell you how I know I fell in every one of them. Now, if you want to go down and fall in them yourself, you have at it. But I'll tell you where they are. You don't have to fall in them. He come to set at liberty them that are bruised, broken down, downtrodden, bruised by life of sin. Life leaves you bruised, don't it? Life will cut your heart out. The picture is that of a captive being beaten into submission. That's what the picture is. Oh, my soul. Listen to what he says over in Isaiah chapter 1. He said, why should you be stricken anymore? Huh? You just, you just do what you want to do. You just keep on sinning. You just keep going the way of this world. Why should you be stricken anymore? He said, from the sole of the foot even to the head, there's no soundness in it. There's nothing there but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. And hadn't been bound up, neither mollified with ointment. That man. Christ comes and set at liberty them that are bruised, bruised by a life of legalism and worldly religion and works religion and free will religion. And then sixthly, he was sent to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. What in the world is that? That's a jubilee. There was one year. And it was the year of 50 years. And in that year of Jubilee, if, if you had sold yourself into bondage, if you had sold your property, some of them even sold their children into slavery, no matter what you, it, full restoration is all given back to you. That's the acceptable year of the Lord. Huh? Christ is our Jubilee. He said he sent me to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then lastly, our Lord prays. And he said, glorify thou me with thine own self. In this world, our Lord humbled himself. He didn't appear as God though he was and possessed all of God's perfections at all times. He condescended to perform the work of the Mediator. He came, he said, to do the will of him that sent me. 
He appeared in the flesh to accomplish our redemption. He appeared in the flesh to provide us with a righteousness acceptable to God. He appeared in our flesh as a servant of God, and as such become obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He appeared in the flesh to manifest the saving knowledge of God. Philippians 2.9 Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord of what? Lord of creation, Lord of providence, Lord of salvation, Lord of the dead and the living, Lord of lords, King of kings, the blessed and only potentate. That every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What's he praying for? He's praying that that glory that was bestowed on him from the beginning, as the mediator of God's sheep, the Savior of God's sheep, glorify thou me now with that glory which I had with thee before the world was. You're not going to see Christ return in humility again. Huh? How's he coming? In all the glory of his Father's house. And that's what he's praying for you. Glorify me with your own self. Oh. It was the glory which he had with the Father before the world was. Redemption is a purpose work. Righteousness is a purpose work. And all his offices are designed to accomplish the purpose of God in salvation. And he said, I finished the work. But the glory of it was veiled. For just a little while. In all things it said it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of his people. And while here, most saw nothing more than a man. Albeit he was a great man. They give that to him. He was an amazing man. He was a wise man. But they wouldn't let him be anything other than a man. They couldn't see it. And truly he was a man, but his deity was veiled. And his prayer now is about his father's glory being unveiled. What does a believer see when he sees Christ? He sees the unveiled glory of God. That's what he sees. God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our heart. What are we going to see? The glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's what he's done. Now, all these things that I've done, you use them for your glory and glorify thou me with thine own self. And these men that are around me that I'm praying for, you unveil your glory in me to them. May the Lord open our minds and hearts to understand these things.